Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Today, I want to talk for just a few moments because I, I believe this is God wants to do something in your life, but God wants to do something in your kids' lives. You're like, my kids aren't even here. That's all right. And God wants to do something in your grandkids' lives, and he wants to do something in the next generation after that, and the next generation that. If the Lord should tarry a hundred generations, God wants to do something in, in their lives, and it begins with you. Oh, I think I'm going to go join the bald-headed guy and leave, all right? I, I, I'm just saying, what God wants to do in you is not just something that happens today, but it's something that happens from generation to generation to generation. If you have your Bibles, you can read along with me, or you can just read it on the screen. Gen, uh, Genesis chapter 35, verses 1 through 14, it says this, Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there, and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. You remember Jacob? Jacob was a scoundrel, liar, deceiver. His brother wanted to kill him. His mom said, get out of town, get out of town now. And so he ran for his life. He's gone 20-some years. Now he's on his way back, all right? So Jacob said to his household and to all who are with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you. Purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go to Bethel, where I built an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So Jacob fled for his life. He's gone 20-some years. There's really not a lot of sign that while he's in a pagan land with pagan people that he had a relationship with God. But then because his father-in-law wanted to kill him, God said, hey, better idea. Why don't you go home? All right? And so he takes the people that are with him, his wives, he had, he had four of them, his kids. Uh, he's moving thousands of animals, thousands, camels, sheep, donkeys, uh, and, and they're moving thousands. So there's probably several hundred people that are in this caravan. They're going home, and God is beginning to speak with him. And Jacob says, I need to go to the altar the place that I have met with God 20-some years ago and see if he has a word for us, all right? as the, I'm getting ready to read this. It says that as he was moving on, that the fear of God fell upon the, the towns around them. It's important for this reason. What Jacob was carrying was the inheritance of God. That in itself could be a sermon, all right? He was carrying the inheritance of God. Everywhere he went, God had a plan for the things he had and the people he was with. But let, let's keep on carrying. Let's keep on reading here. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had, the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. And they set out, and the terror of God fell upon all the towns around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Hey, Jacob's saying, I got to get to the altar. I need to meet with God. How many know that sometimes when you have great intentions and you're moving towards the things of God, life slaps you in the face? And then verse 8 happens. Now Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, who was, Deborah was also one of his wives, died and was buried under the oak outside of Bethel. After Jacob returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. And God said to him, how many know God's a speaking God? 
Your name is Jacob, but you'll no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and community of nations will come from you, and kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at that place where he had talked with him. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, over the next few moments, would you speak to us, challenge us, take us on a journey that maybe we never thought we would be on, but Lord, it's not only for us, but the generations after us. Touch our hearts now, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Julie and I had the opportunity to pastor uh, and youth pastor and pastor for 23 years before we moved to the district office four years ago. And in that time period, there was something that happened inside of me. I, I left Bible college and really had no idea how to pray. All right, not that I knew how to pray for my food. I had that one down, but I didn't know how to really uh, pray and seek the Lord. And how do I get my message for next week? And how do I do this? How, I need wisdom. And so I began to get up early in the morning as a youth pastor. I would drive to the church. I would spend time with the Lord. And in, in that time of spending the Lord, the Lord would download uh, heaven inside of me and do great things in me. And it, it all happened because I had a Bethel place, a place that I would go and meet with the Lord. When we began to pastor in North Manchester, we lived next door to the church, and so I, I, would just drive, I would walk over to the church in the morning, spend time with the Lord, and then go home and get ready for the day and all that. And then four years ago, we moved to Indianapolis, and when we moved to Indianapolis the first morning, I woke up and I said, Lord, we got a problem. I had lost my Bethel. I had lost my altar place. I had lost the place that I met with Jesus every day. For, for the 23 years before that, I had keys to a church. I could just go unlock the door. I'd go in the sanctuary. The sanctuary became my Bethel place. I'd walk and pray and walk and pray. I'd, I'd walk thousands of miles spending time with Jesus. And now I show up in Indianapolis in a strange place with strange people. I have no keys to, the, to a church, and I have no place to pray. And it, I, was, I, I said, it, Lord, we've got a problem. I walked outside because it was July, and I just began to walk around my neighborhood and pray. And I'm walking on the sidewalks, and I'm praying, and I'm seeking the Lord. It's different. You know, it wasn't just me and Jesus, because there's people out there jogging, you know, and it's just, it was weird, a little bit weird. But I didn't know what to do, and so I just kept staying outside and praying. And then, how I many know, it gets cold. I said, Lord, we got a problem. And I found a place in my house that became my Bethel place, my place of meeting with the Lord, a place that I could go and spend time with the Lord. It became uh, my daily routine. You know, there's one thing that I learned was this, is that uh, it's not guaranteed that we're going to be at the church house next Sunday. I mean, you know, during the pandemic, we learned that. And so what we need is a place, not just an altar place at the church house, we need an altar place at our house. We need a place on a daily basis that we can meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We need a place that we can go and say to the Lord what we need to, what we need to say. We need a place that we can go and worship Jesus. We need a place that we can go and confess our sins. We need a place that we can uh, meet with the King, uh, listen and hear, and hear what he has to say to us personally. He's a talking God. A place that we can get direction, a place that we can be emptied of ourselves, and a place that we can be filled with him. Friend, I want to say to us this morning, we need a place that we can meet with God. Now, it can look different for every one of us. 
Some in this room, you got a 25-minute, 30-minute drive to work every day. And so you can sit down in your Chevy, and you can drive to work. And as you're sitting in your car driving, you're spending time with Jesus. You're loving on him. You're worshiping. You're praising. You're listening to him. You're having a God experience on your way to work every day. How many of you know some of you need that? <laughs> you're probably not going to yell at other people in their cars if you're praying in the Holy Ghost. You know what I mean? If the Spirit of God is in your car, that's probably not going to happen. It might look like uh, your lazy boy chair. You get up every morning, you make you a big old cup of coffee, you sit down in your chair, and you go, it's me again, Jesus. And it just starts. You just begin to spend time with Jesus. And Jesus begins to spend time with you. And you begin again to love on him and experience him in, in, in a, a new way. I want us to understand this morning that the altar needs to become our friend. It needs to become a part of who we are. Now, there, there's some people that would say this. That they would say, the altar scares me. You know, if, if pastor asks you to come up to the front at the end of church because you need prayer or something like that, there's some in this church today, you're like, I'm not going. You might need a miracle in your body. Your family needs a touch, but you're saying, I'm not going. It's, it's scary. You mean you want me to walk all the way up there in front of everybody here that loves me and cares about me? There's no way I'm doing that. I'll just stay right here. And we don't go. We don't uh, uh, come to the altar at the church house. Sometimes we don't even want to go to the altar at our house. I, we don't want to go because what if the king of glory tells me something that I don't want to hear? Just imagine with me, you're sitting in your lazy boy chair, you're drinking your coffee, and Jesus saying, man, I love you. It's so wonderful to be with you today. And I would like you to serve in the kids' ministry. You're like, I'm not willing to take that chance. What if I go to the altar at my house or the church house, and I need a word from the Lord, but I don't hear one? I might feel like the Lord's rejecting me, and so I'm not willing to take that chance, so I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to come to the altar at the church house because I don't know how long to stay. I mean, I go up there, I pray, and I'm like, how long, how long do I even stay here? And you're like, well, there's somebody next to me. I think I'll stay a little longer because, I mean, I don't want to be a quitter, you know, and so you just stay there. And When I was growing up, we, our church was like this. We had Four sections. My dad uh, was usher in this section, and so every week we sat in the same spot. You know what I'm talking about? Same spot every week. How many of you sat there last week? And, and, and on every Sunday night, my dad would come down to the altar about in this place, right around in this place here. And so as a kid, I was like, I'm going to. I, I can't sit here any longer, all right? And so I'd go to the altar, and I'd kneel down with one uh, desire in my heart, stay longer than my dad, because everything was a competition for me growing up. And so I'd kneel down next to my dad, and I can hear him praying, and, and I'm praying. And man, I, I could pray for the entire world. Every soul, at that time, probably only 6 billion people. I could pray for every one of them, every one of our missionaries in the world, and that took up like eight seconds. And I was like, what's taking him so long? My knees are hurting, and I'm squirming around, and, and finally, he, he would finally get done, and he'd get up, and right after he got up, I got up after him because I prayed. I was there longer. I won. But how about this? How about we just make it to the altar, whether it's at our house or the church house, until the Lord's done with us. 
There's, there's no time on that. It's just whenever the Lord is finished with us. You know, in the book, uh, in the Bible, in the, in the books of Ezekiel and Revelation, it talks about the river of God and the river of Jesus and that everywhere that the river flows, there's life. And everywhere that the river flows, uh, there's salvation. And everywhere the river flows, there's health. And everywhere the kingdom of God, uh, everywhere the river flows, there's the kingdom of God. And I just believe that the river of God wants to flow right through your Bethel place. The river of God wants to flow right through uh, your altar place. Whether it's at the church house, whether it's at your house, whether it's in your lazy boy chair or your Chevy truck, that the river of God wants to flow right through that and fill you with life everywhere that you go. But for that to happen, you got to get there. For that to happen, you got to make it to that place of being with God. So Jacob here in the scripture, he's, he's got a whole bunch of pagan people who worship a whole bunch of pagan gods. They don't know who the real two God is. His wives even had uh, uh, idols with, that they stole from their dad's house, all right? That's in the chapter before that. And they, they have that with them. And, they, and Jacob says this. He says, listen, everybody. Take the rings out of your ears. Get rid of your idols. We're going to bury them under the tree. Put on new clothes. It's like Saturday night bath time, all right? And he's telling them this. He says, because tomorrow we're going into the God zone. Get cleaned up, because tomorrow I'm going to introduce you to the one true God. Tomorrow we're going into the God zone. I don't know about you, but I'm glad on this side of Calvary, on this side of the cross, I don't have to get cleaned up to come to God. I just got to show up. And if I'll show up, God will clean me up and he'll make me into the man that he wants to be. He'll make you into the woman that he wants you to be. But we've got to show up so God can fill us up. Amen? So they go and they spend time and they're spending time with God, and God is meeting with them. And if you read this, you can, you can see that he keeps going to the altar. There's multiple times that he goes to the altar in this passage right here. And in the process of doing that, life smacks him in the face. Jacob's been running from God for 20-some years. Now he's showing up at the altar, and the miss is showing up at the altar when of his wives die. Can I tell you that before you leave this place today, you might say, I want the altar to be my friend. I want to spend time with Jesus. I want to go and do what God wants me to do. I want to be the man or woman that he wants me to be. And in the process of that, life will smack you right in the face. You might lose your job. You might, somebody might die. You might get sick. But I want to say to you this morning, right here in verse 8, uh, when he lost his wife, in verse 9, he's back at the altar. We can blame God. We can say, God, why did you let this happen? But Jacob showed back up, the, up at the altar again to spend time with God. And when he showed up at the altar, after life smacked him in the face, God begins to speak to him. He shows up at the altar after, God, after life smacked him in the face, and God begins to speak to him. Listen to what he says. See, it was at this altar that God gave Jacob a new name. Jacob, let me let you in on a secret. You're a liar, deceiver, dirty dog. Thank you, Father. I feel so much better now. But I'm going to make you a new man. I'm going to give you a new name. He said, 
You, you came to the altar as, Israel, uh, as Jacob. You're going to leave the altar as Israel. You came to the altar uh, like your, your, your name means, deceiver and liar, but you're going to leave here a new person. You might have showed up here this morning, and everybody in town knows you as addicted and afflicted, but God can give you a brand new name, a son and daughter of the living God. Can somebody say amen? You may be around this town, have been known as a liar, a swindler, a deceiver. You can't even do business around here because of everything and, and who you've been in the past. But today, can God, God can give you a brand new name like Truth Finder. Maybe you showed up today and everybody knows you as abused. It's been your story your entire life. Abuse, abuse, a, a situations of abuse, marriages of abuse, and that's been your story. But today, you can show up at the altar and God can give you a brand new name like Grace and Mercy mercy, and it can be poured out upon you all the days of your life. And nobody knows you as abused anymore. They only know you as grace and mercy. Maybe you showed up this morning and alcoholic's been your name for the last 30 years. God can give you a brand new name, just like he did Jacob, named Living Water. He can, he can take you today from fearful to covered in love. Why? Because perfect love drives out all fear. And you can leave this place today as a new person in Jesus Christ. Why? Because you showed up at the altar. Jacob showed up at the, at the altar and God began to speak to him, but God wasn't finished yet. I give you a new name, but Jacob, guess, guess what? At this altar, I'm going to make myself known to you. I am God Almighty. So he was at the altar, the place of meeting with God, that God got real with him. He said, Jacob, I want you to know something. I am God Almighty. See, the God that you're praying to and the God that you're meeting with at the altar, in your car, at your house, in the church house, he's not just a, a genie in a bottle, and every time you need something, you just rub it. Oh, where you at, God? I need you. I need something now, God. Why don't you show up? See, he is God Almighty. What does that mean? He's the creator. He always has been. He always will be. He's the healer. He can come and show up right in the middle of your life. He he is, he is the miracle worker. He's Alpha and Omega. Can I tell you, he's the baptizer this morning. And don't forget, he's the soon coming king. Can somebody say amen? He is God Almighty. But God wasn't finished. See, it was at this altar that he gave Jacob direction. He says, be fruitful and increase. Jacob, be fruitful and increase. I want you to know this morning, the direction for your family, direction for your marriage, direction for your business, it's found at the altar. It's found at the altar at the church house. It's found at the altar at your house. There's direction for your business that can happen as you're driving down the road. There's direction for your business that can happen while you're on your lawnmower or pushing your lawnmower through the yard and you're at a Bethel place as you're calling out to God during that time and the Lord downloads direction for you, for your family, for your business, for your kids. It's now found on social media. When you need a word from God, you don't get on social media and just start scrolling until you find something you like, all right? You, you, you get a hold of God, you get to a Bethel place, and God will download heaven right on you, and the river Jesus will flow right through your life, and he'll show you what to do and what your future holds. See, God gave Jacob direction, but God wasn't finished. He would still speak to him at the altar, at this Bethel place. God gave Jacob a promise. He said, Jacob, a nation and community of nations will come from you. Can I tell you, he's not just the God of the moment. He's the God of the future. How long does it take for one family to make a nation? How long does it take for one family to make a community of nations? 
God delivered the word at the altar, but he's not just the God of the moment. He's the God for generations to come. He's the God of thousands of years to come. He's the God who speaks to you now, and those that are coming after you maybe don't know the word of the Lord, but they're reaping the benefits of you being at the altar and experiencing God. God gave Jacob a promise at the altar, but God wasn't finished. He gave him a prophetic word at the altar. He said to him, kings will come from your body. How do you process this? How do you take a hold of all these words that's coming from God? But he says, Jacob, uh, a kings will come from your body. I'm telling you, if you'll get to the altar and you'll spend time with the king of kings and the Lord of lords, you can understand something. There's greatness inside of you, and God reveals it at the altar. But God wasn't finished. See, it was at the altar that God de- declared increase over those who were to come. God was declaring increase, not over just Jacob, but over those who were to come. I will give you this land to descendants after you, and I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and as we know today, Jacob. The promises that I gave to your grandfather, I give to you. The promises that I gave to your daddy, Isaac, I give to you. And Jacob, I give you these promises. I declare increase over those who are to come. I want to tell you this morning that if we'll make the altar our friend, if we'll make a Bethel place, not just at the church house, but our at our house, that God will do great things, not just in our lives, but generations to come. Because I believe this, the generations after us are dependent upon us having altar experiences that change the direction of our family's future. Preacher, why'd you just put all that pressure on me? I didn't put it on you. All I'm doing is inviting you to Bethel. Uh, All I'm doing is inviting you to have a place of prayer at your house, a place that you can get along with God. See, the generations after us, the generations after you, all those that have your DNA in them that are still to come are dependent upon you having altar experiences that change the direction of your family's future. Here's what I mean by that. Let me share my experiences with you. I'm a McAtee. That's my last name. I'm from Southwest Missouri. There were no Christians in the McAtee clan in Southwest Missouri. My dad was the first one. When I grew up, we would go to the McAtee family reunions at my great-grandfather's house. It was out on a little dirt country road that was hard to find, and pretty much nobody knew where it was, all right? And there was no really reason to go out there. He still had an outhouse at his house. But all the McAtees would gather there for the family reunion once a year, and my dad would say to us this. He would say, give us the speech in the car. You've given speeches in the car before. It's usually shut your mouth and don't open it when we get there, all right? My dad would say this to us. Don't say what they say. Don't drink what they drink. Don't smoke what they smoke. And don't look at Uncle Don's tattoos, all right? That was the word every year. See, there was something different with my dad. My my grandparents grew up in town or they had a house in town. I should say my dad grew up in town. It was a, it was a, a very large 750-square-foot home. My grandma and grandpa, my uncle, my dad lived there, but evidently most of McAtee's didn't work. And my, my grandpa had a job, so they would come and stay there. 
my dad's aunts, uncles, whoever else was a freeloader. They come there and they drink and it's a life. It was, that, was, that happened in that mansion. And because of that, my dad usually had to sleep on the floor and that was just life. But the church up the road from my grandparents was a little Pentecostal church and the pastor's son asked my dad, would you like to come to church sometime? And my dad says, sounds a lot better than being at home. So on Sunday morning, my dad got up by himself while people were still hung over and drunk. And he walked out the door and he walked up the street. And sometime, I don't know whether it was the first Sunday, but sometime after he started going there, he walked down the aisle at that little Pentecostal church and he gave his life to Jesus at the altar. As a sixth grade boy, a few years later, sometime later as a teenager, he walked down to the altar and he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. At 19 years old, he, uh, he was standing at the altar and my mom walked down to the altar and they got married at that same altar at that little Pentecostal church. Two years later, they baptized my, or they, they, they dedicated my sister to the Lord. Two years after that, they dedicated me to the Lord. Two years after that, they dedicated my brother to the Lord. My dad was having altar experiences, just not on a Sunday night at the church house, but it started as a sixth, sixth grade boy at the church house. This morning, my sister and her husband serve our country as chaplains in the army. They have no kids, but they had two dogs that just both recently died, and we think they went to heaven generation after generation, even in the dog world. This morning... My brother pastors a church right down the road from where my great-grandfather's farm was out in the middle of the country. My mom and dad will be there this morning. My, son, my, my, my brother has two kids, Jack and Macy. They both serve the Lord. They both love the Lord. This morning, I have the opportunity of being here with you. My wife and I do. Our oldest son is in Texas uh, uh, working at a church down there serving Jesus. Our, our middle son lives with us and he's uh, stepping into the business world with plans to financially help change the world for the kingdom of God. My, my baby boy, he just got home uh, this week from his first year of Bible college. God's called him into ministry to do the work of the ministry. I'm telling you, my dad was having altar experiences that changed our family's direction for generations to come. We're three generations deep, and there's no, there's no way that it's going to slow down. I'm believing God for 100 generations that the Lord should tarry that long. Why is that? Because of the promises of God that happen around the altar of God, whether it's at the church house or your house. The question is this, are we going to make it there? Are we going to make it to the altar? Are we going to have a Bethel place? Are we going to have a meeting place with God? You say, preacher, I don't know how to pray. That's all right. If you'll show up. And just say, Jesus, it's me again. Good morning. Just want to spend some time with you. I love you. Will you, will you do a work in me? Will you touch my family? Jesus, I, I don't really know how to go about this. My Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Just begin to spend time with Jesus and love on him and encourage him. He'll begin to download heaven inside of you and the river of God will flow through your house. It'll flow through the church house. The Lord will begin to speak to you, not just about you, but the generations to come if he should tarry and what he wants to do in you. And he'll give you wisdom and he'll show you what he has for you. But you got to show up. 
You might say, you know, I preacher, it's a little late for me. I, I've already had my kids and I, I got grandkids. Got good news for you. Jacob didn't show up till later on in life. And if you'll read the next few chapters, here's what you'll decide, you'll find is that his kids were hellions. They were murderers, they were rapists. But somewhere along the line, his kids got straightened out. Oh, how do you know that? Because the 12 tribes of Israel are named after them. And it's their legacy that God put upon them. And Jacob just kept having altar experiences. So I came out here this morning to ask you this question. Will you have altar experiences? Because the generations after us are dependent upon us having altar experiences that change the direction of our family's future. If you're here today and you say, Preacher, I'm already having altar experiences at my house or the church house, or you might be here this morning and say, I'm going to start having altar experiences at my house or the church house. If you're here this morning, you say, you know, I, I want to make a commitment to the Lord that I'm going to, make, I'm going to have altar experiences. So here's what I, I believe in, in this sermon. It goes way beyond today. Because I know this, a year from now, you're not going to have any idea who I am. You probably won't know that next week. But the Spirit of God stirs in you to begin to have altar experiences. What happens in this message not only changes you, but it changes generations to come. If you're here this morning and say, Preacher, that's me. I want to have altar experiences that changes my family for generations to come. Would you stand up in this place today? That might not be you. You might, you might not want to, but if that's you, would you stand today? I want to pray over you because this is a, a, uh, this is a, a response that's beyond a week. It's beyond two weeks. Three weeks from now, the life might smack you upside the head. You know what you need to, have, you need to do? You need to get back to Bethel. Put your, put your pants back on and say, here we go, Jesus, I'm in. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek the Lord because my family's worth it. My grandkids, I don't even know they're worth it because they got my DNA and they got your DNA and I'm going to stand with them from now on forever. Father, in the name of Jesus, some of these people, Lord, you've already revealed to them where you want them to spend time with you. Lord, as we've been talking, as I've been talking this morning, you've been talking. And you're saying to some of these teenagers in, in the room, I want you to pray on your way to school. I want you to get up a little bit earlier in the morning. Some of you, been, you, you have been speaking to them about their Bethel's going to be in their garage or in their car. Their Bethel's going to be on their back porch tomorrow morning, and they're going to spend time with you. Lord, you've been speaking to them. And so, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that we would follow through with what you're saying to us this morning. Not for a day, not for a week, but for a lifetime. Father, I pray right now for prodigal sons and daughters, for mothers and fathers, for brothers and sisters that do not know you. Father, we're going to stand in the gap, and we're going to bombard heaven on behalf of our loved ones. And, Lord, we're going to ask for their souls, that their names be written in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, that there be a transformation with those that have our DNA in them, whether they're our kids or, or whether they're other family members. Lord, we're believing for their salvation because you are the hope of the world. And so, Father, I pray today that you would touch my friends in this place. Minister to them beyond this house. May they take your presence to their house and may the river of God flow through them in the name of Jesus. Touch your church today, Lord. 
Touch families today. Touch the next generation today. Speak to us and give us prophetic words for our family that's still to come. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. How many were encouraged by the word of the Lord today? Can we tell Pastor Chad thank you? I'll tell you, I'll, most of you, a lot of you know my story, but I'll, I'll tell you something that my mom and dad, they knew, how to, they knew how to go to the altar. And there was certainly just a spirit of alcoholism all over my dad's side of the family. And because of altar experiences that my dad had, he, he broke that. He, he, he certainly was not an alcoholic, just broke that in our family line. And, and now it affected me and my brother, and we find ourselves going to the altar now all the time. And you know that about us, even our staff. We start every day in, in prayer. And, and now my children, you know, my, my, my two boys are already in Bible college. Grace is, it feels a call of God upon her life, too, to go into ministry. My, my youngest one had just turned 12, so she's not quite thinking those thoughts yet. But how many know there's a call upon her, her life, too? And I'm telling you, everybody, you can turn generational curses into generational blessings. And it happens when you surrender yourself to, to God daily. It wasn't it Paul, the apostle, that said, hey, I die daily. I, I, I present myself to the Lord daily. And we need to do that, everybody. I'm telling you, it'll not only benefit you, but it will benefit generations that come. Can I tell you something? That, that part, the part of the miraculous uh, story of New Song is not just the prayers of, of me and my wife, but it is also the prayers of our parents that prayed over us while we were growing up. And there are people that are reaping the harvest. Reap, let me say this, that, that, that there, are, there are people enjoying a relationship with God because my parents decided to pray over us, speak blessings over us, and encourage us in the things of God. And now living out his calling, we're able to lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that, that we're not only blessed by it, but our parents are blessed by it. And God gets all of the glory for it, obviously. You see how that works, everybody? You see how it works? So powerful. So let, let's, let's, change, let's, let's be changed by the power and the spirit of God at the altar every day, knowing full well that it'll last for generations to come. That's a great word, Pastor Chad. Thank you so much. New song, let me bless you before you go today. Father, I bless my family to live lives of faith, to live lives of victory in you. And I bless them not only with the desire to spend time with you, but the discipline to spend time with you. Father, that they would get past the, the, the feelings of inadequacy, the feelings of fear, anything that would keep them from pursuing your presence. Father, I break those things in the name of Jesus Christ and declare freedom in their life, freedom in prayer, freedom in worship, freedom in the word. Lord, that they would receive from you everything that you are meant to give them, that you want to give them, that they would be recipients of every good and precious gift that you have for them, that you would pour your spirit out upon all of us for generations to come and we believe it and we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that and receive it, say amen. Amen. I love you, new song more than you know. Remember, if you haven't gone through my small group, be here this Tuesday night. Join a small group for sure and be here next Sunday morning. We'll see you then. We love you guys. Have a great day, everybody. God bless. 
As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.